today we will continue Esther. Megillus Esther. Um, as you mentioned, this year uh, Purim is on Sunday. When Purim is on Sunday, so the fast of Esther, called Tainis Esther, is made earlier. It's made on Thursday this year. Um, actually, talking about um, uh, babies, um, the bris, Mitzvah Shem, that will take place, if everything is okay, hopefully, should take place on Tainis Esther. And there's a special leniency on Tainis Esther that is brought down in the Kitzvah Shulchan Aruch that uh, the father and the sandak, the one holds the baby, uh, do not have to fast on the Tainis Esther. If it, but the meal, they sort of make it towards the end of the day so that the people can break their fast later on and join in the a meal for the Tainis Esther. And what's the fast for? So we were learning, this is actually a, 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 an interesting fast. It's unlike any of the other fasts. It's sort of a fast that commemorates the fast that they fasted at that time. Uh, at that time, meaning when the, uh, when the Jews battled their enemies. What happened was, just in short, uh, Haman convinced King Ahasuerus, or unfortunately Ahasuerus didn't need so much convincing. He was as much as a uh, you know, as evil as, as, as Haman, but he was sort of uh, uh, used to flip-flop. He, he didn't know one day like this, one day like that. He wasn't, apparently he wasn't too, uh, too bright. He wasn't, as they say, the brightest bulb in town over there, but even though he was, even though he was the king, but you know, uh, he, he went from, you know, loving his wife to killing her the next day. <laughs> you know, he killed Vashti. Uh, he went from having a Hashverosh become the next to him, then killing, hanging him with his ten sons. I mean, so it's good for us that he hung him, but you can see how he, uh, he flipped, flopped back and forth, and, uh, and then, uh, you know, Mordechai uh, became very important later on. First he's going to kill all the Jews, and then Mordechai became dead. But in any event, um, they had succeeded in getting Ahasuerus to give a decree that the Jewish people can be killed all in one day. And that day was the, uh, the, um, on the 13th day of, of, of Adar. And, and the Jewish people were later on, after Esther intervened, they were given the right to go defend themselves and kill their enemies. So it looks like it wasn't anybody. There were anti-Semites, and there were some people that didn't get involved, basically. I don't know if they had any friends, but maybe they had not everybody wanted to kill them. But uh, So the Jewish people stood up against their enemies, and they fought them. Now, it's a tradition when Jewish people fight that they know that the war is not only a physical war. It's a war which you need God's help. You need Hashem. You need God's intervention, God to help you. So even while we do war, while we battle, but we know it's not just our, our strength that it's, you know, as the verse states, we say it in the Psalms. We say, so which means that these go with horses and these other ones go with um, with uh, with 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 chariot with carriages with tanks or whatever 
but we go with God's name. So, in other words, we have the strength, you know, because we have the support of Hashem. And um, therefore, it's a tradition when we need Hashem's help, we pray to Hashem. And the way we pray to Hashem also is, it's associated with a fast day. So the assumption is that the Jewish people fasted at that day. And um, they called it Tainus Esther. There is various different reasons, but the simple reason it's called the fast of Esther because it's also to remind us how Esther, uh, seeking God's help, was able to um, find favor in the eyes of the king and she was able to help the Jewish people. So the whole story is sort of dressed up in some hidden in the disguise because it's not an open, it's not like the sea split like when the Jews went through there, but this was within the, uh, dressed up in nature, within the natural means, but yet you can clearly see it was God's hand. So the fast day that we fast is to commemorate that. Now, when is the uh, first time to read the Megillah? Now, the other thing is, talk about Tainus Esther first. Uh, there's also a tradition to give a half a shekel, uh, or three half a shekels, actually. Some people give three half a shekels, because um, it's, it's, it's most important is a half a shekel. Uh, in the Torah, we talk about three gifts originally that they gave. You know, one half a shekel was given for the sacrifices every year. That's the main half a shekel that we're talking about. But then there's another half a shekel, uh, which was given to, to build the sockets of the temple. They were made of a half a shekel. They were made also from that. Everybody contributed. And then there was the general gifts. People just gave gifts, you know, whatever they, they, they felt like giving for the temple. They used to contribute that. But in any event, if you have not given, it's a half a shekel really what you have to give. So each one, a person should give a half a shekel, at least before the Megillah. The shekel is associated with the Megillah in the sense because... Haman offered the king to pay him lots of money, 10,000 shekels, to be able to kill the Jews because this would be a loss. The king would lose income because of the, because of the payments of the Jews, the taxes and other things. So he offered to give him 10,000 shekels. The Medrash says an interesting thing in the conversation between uh, Mordechai, uh, between Achashverosh and Haman, how they were both enemies. He says, there were once two neighbors uh, next to each other, and one had a, uh, one had a, a terrible big hole in his, uh, in his property that he was annoying, he wanted to fill that, and and the other one, when he built his house, he excavated, and he had this whole mound. So the uh, person with the hole is looking for somebody to purchase some some sand. You know, I'm embellishing it a little bit. It's not quite it. He's looking for somebody to uh, fill his hole. So he goes over to the uh, next door neighbor. He says, I see you have a, a heap of sand over there. Would you sell it to me so I can uh, close up my hole? The guy says, look, you know, he says, I've been having, this is such an eyesore, this heap of uh, lung. If you want to take it, please take it away from here. You don't have to place any, pay anything, and just take it and, and get it out of here. I'll be more than happy. Same thing is with Haman with Achashverosh. Uh, Haman offers, Haman offers King Achashverosh 10,000 shekels so that he can do with the Jews what he wants to. And the king tells him, you know what, just 
get rid of the Jews, you know, I have no use for them anyways, keep your money <laughs> and you can just have them, you know, I mean, unfortunately uh, the Jewish history has been such that uh, sometimes the places where the Jews lived when the Germans, you know, marched in, they were more savages, these people, where they lived, the Lithuanians and the Ukrainians and these, and Poles also, but they also terrible, but I, I think especially they talk about the Ukrainians and Lithuanians, they talk about them, but in the Poles, all of them, all these anti-Semites, they were worse, some of them, than the Nazis themselves, you know, they would... What? They were worse than the Nazis. Yeah, yeah the Ukrainians were the worst. You know? So now they have their own. Crimea. They went, they told the Germans when they came into the villages, and this is all through the area, the Germans would go over and say, we okay. would point out where every Jew lived. Okay, so now let's talk a little bit about, so the Megillah reading, um, you know, like, the, it has to be done in the daytime. When does the day start? So, if you're pressed, the day starts at dawn. If you can, wait till the sun starts to sparkle. In other words, there are two possibilities. And we'll use the more lenient uh, view to start it when the Amur HaShachar, if you have to, let's say you have to leave, you have to go to work, you're not going to have an opportunity to listen to the Megillah, so read it at dawn if you have to. But uh, best is to read it after Neitzah once the sun starts to sparkle. Now, uh, so, now the other thing is also, uh, we don't, just like at nighttime, but in the morning, we don't, eat anything before reading the Megillah. Even people that uh, normally would have something before they die in the morning prayer. But before the Megillah we shouldn't read. It's considered to be an important mitzvah. We don't want to eat before doing that important mitzvah. Uh, of course, if somebody is sick or something else, you know, it's different. But we're talking about under normal circumstances. Um, and again, in the Amida that we do, we have the Al-Hanisim. We went through yesterday. We do the Al-Hanisim. And it is, um, it is uh, a, uh, a day of festivities, so we don't do Tachanon. It's like a holiday. Tachanon is said, that special prayer is only said on regular days. But whenever there's like a festival, Purim, we don't say Tachanon. And we don't say Kedar uh, Chapayim. We don't say those are part of the Tachanon is the Kedar Chapayim. And you do a half a Kaddish. So... Like ordinary, like we do when we have a day that we read the Torah, on Purim we do read the Torah. Now, what, are we going to read the story of the Torah, the, the story of Purim in the Torah? No. No, we can't. Why? Because there wasn't Purim yet when the Torah was, uh, that, that, that happened later on. The Megillah came, the Megillah is what we read. But the Torah was before, the, the, the story of Purim took place between the first and the second temple. Okay? So that would take place later. But we know that it's very closely associated the uh, Haman and his decrees to Amalek. Amalek is mentioned in the Torah. And therefore, you will give three aliyahs. And the reason we give three already, we went through this many times, it depends, the rabbis didn't want to burden the people, take up too much time with, uh, with the aliyah reading of the Torah. So during a weekday when it's, people work, they only give you three aliyahs. That's the minimum. So they give you three aliyahs. So you're going to read three aliyahs and you're going to do in this section of Bishalach, that's in the uh, book of Exodus, um, in the section of Bishalach, which is in, uh, in Exodus chapter 17, and it's verse 8 through 16. And um, each person 
will actually get three verses, which is the minimum. Each aliyah, there's three aliyahs, each aliyah is uh, three verses, so if you split it between the three people, you are going to get a total of nine psukim, which is verse 8 to 16, which is nine verses, and in the portion of Bishalach, as we had over there, we read Zecher and then Zecher, as opposed to Parshas Zohar in Parshas Kiseitze, when we read the Shabbos before, like the Shabbos, over there we do it the other way. We do Zecher, Zecher. Um, and, you know, as we spoke about the portion of Zohar to read, may be a biblical command, because the Torah tells us that we have to remember what Amalek did. How do we remember what Amalek did? Some say we fulfill it when we read the Torah. What happens somebody wasn't in shul and didn't hear the reading of the Torah on Shabbos, then you can fulfill your obligation. You have to have in mind when they're reading the Torah from the portion of B'Shalach, that you are fulfilling your obligation to remember what Amalek did, and to erase the uh, uh, remember the Amalek. And again, if you haven't given the Machzis HaShekel yet, give it then. Machzis HaShekel will keep on reminding you, because it's most important to do before the Megillah reading at any point. And if there is a circumcision during Purim, uh, the custom is to uh, circumcise after you read the Megillah, after the Megillah reading. Um, and you still have your tefillin on, because if you're davening still, you haven't taken the tefillin off uh, while you're wearing your tefillin. And uh, if, even if you put another tefillin, you don't remove them, you keep your Rashi's tefillin on during that to continue the prayer. Now, before you read the Megillah, you make three brachas. And that would include also the bracha Shechiyonu. Now, Shechiyonu seems to be a little bit questionable. So you make the blessing for reading the Megillah. So that's a mitzvah, because the mitzvah is to read it twice. We learn it from the verse that we have to read the Megillah twice, once at night, one in the daytime. So you make the blessing for the Megillah. You make another blessing for Sha'asa Nisim Lavisenu, one who's done miracles, shall perform miracles for us. And then you make the third blessing, which is Shechiyonu. But that's a little surprising. Why? Because we already said Shechiyonu. Shechiyonu is for the holiday that it comes once. But we already said Shechiyonu on the night before. We already said the three blessings. Why do we say a Shechiyonu second time? Say, for example, Hanukkah. The first night when you light your Hanukkah menorah, you say three blessings. But the second night, you're only going to say two because you already said the Shechiyonu once. So why do we say a second Shechiyonu a second time? So because we also have, uh, it's like a separate mitzvah, it's a mitzvah for the reading the Megillah, but we also have in mind the special mitzvahs that we're going to do today. So the Shechiyonu is not just for the reading of the Megillah, but it's for the gifts that we're going to send. That's one mitzvah. It's also the gifts that we're going to give to the poor, which is another mitzvah. And it's also for the poor meal that we're going to celebrate. It's another mitzvah. So when we say that Shechiyonu, we have in mind all these things. Those things did not apply on the night before, because these mitzvahs are only for the daytime. The only technical mitzvah of the nighttime is really is the reading of the Megillah, the reading of the Megillah. Maybe eating some hamatash, I don't know. That's <laughs> I mean, we did that mitzvah while we're packing the Shalach Manas, but anyways, after 
they're reading the Megillah again, you have the after bracha, you can't forget that people think, once you're done with the Megillah, you're done, you're not done. There's an after bracha, which is called the Ravas Revenu, and then you say Shoshanas Yaakov, that's a special prayer that you say after that, and then you follow, you finish up the davening, you say Ashrei, you say Volitzin, you don't say Lam Natser because you didn't say Tachnun. You say the Kaddish Sholem, you say the Kaddish Sholem, which is the Tzkabel, which goes, you only said a half a Kaddish before. And then you bring back the Sefer Torah to the place. So the Sefer Torah is sitting during, you do the Hagba and everything else, the Sefer Torah is sitting the whole time while you're doing uh, the reading of the Megillah. So you do, you do the regular reading of the Torah, and you pick up, you lift the Torah, and the person sits with the Torah, and then you read the Megillah, and then after you say, well, let's see, you bring the Torah back. And then you finish up the regular Beis Yaakov, you don't do Tfiladov, because no Tachanon, you say Beis Yaakov till the end. Now, uh, how does one fulfill the joy on Purim? Just uh, five minutes, ten minutes? No. It's a mitzvah to be rejoicing the whole day because it says days of joy. It's not just to make a festive meal, but it's days. Uh, I guess it's, as opposed to the holidays, let's say, when we have a biblical command on Yom Tov. Of this says, you should be rejoicing, but it doesn't encompass the whole day. Once you did a little joy, you had your cup of wine, you fulfilled. You don't have to be drinking the whole day. But I think with the, as far as... Purim goes, it's called Yimei, the days. So in other words, the day has to be days of Simcha. The whole day has to be a rejoicing day. And um, it says that uh, the Rebbe himself would uh, follow the tradition during Purim to eat uh, hamatash. You know, hamatash has become like a, a Jewish tradition. I mean, they, uh, you know, today they fill it with, I guess, with broccoli. No, we used to fill it with, <laughs> with poppy seeds and with, uh, with uh, hummus, they call it hummus. Atash is a, is a pocket. It's really a, what do you mean? Hummus, atash, you know, so it's, now, mon is actually, poppy seeds is called mon in Yiddish. It reminds you of the manna, because the manna was like, had looked like a dirt, and that's what it's called mon. poppy seed is from the poppy plant, which is a drug. Which is a drug, okay. But the kind, right? Yeah. Poppy. Yeah, yeah, right. That's right. right. So if, if you eat enough of that and you do a dog, you're, you're going to be healthy. Positive. That was the Wizard of Oz story. Okay, Haman. Lay down and fell asleep in the field. Of so I'm not sure. Either, oh, either they call it Haman, Tashin, because of the Haman, or because Mon, Tashin. Tashin yeah. is the pocket. You fill it up with the Mon. And the reason why it's called Mon, I'm assuming, is because it re- represents the manna. It represents the manna. They used to make prunes, too. Yeah, prunes, yeah. Yeah, but the real thing is the the poppy seeds. That's the that's the that's the real that's the original. Yeah, that's like you know, and um, came from the middle from that area of the world, And quickly, um, the um, uh, during the um, uh, you know we, the, the day goes as long as till sunset. So we have to do everything, all the mitzvahs do till sunset, and. If you're pressed, you can do it till the stars come out, just like we had in the morning from dawn or from the so sparkling at nighttime, that's as far as it goes. Um, if somebody didn't hear the Megillah and you got to read for them the Megillah, so you can read it with a blessing. I mean, you can read the Megillah anytime really you want, but with a blessing to fulfill the mitzvah, you can only do it till sunset. 
if you had delayed so that you cannot finish the entire Megillah reading before sunset, then you can read it without a blessing up till the stars comes out, but a blessing should only be made up till, if you're able to finish the reading within the, uh, up before sunsets. Now, then you have Shalach Monos, yeah, sorry? I don't remember uh, the answer to the question you posed us. If someone didn't make it to Shul, how are they expected to remember um, Amalek? Oh, if they didn't make it to shul? No, no. They, well, you can, there's various different ways to do it at all. But we're talking about you can fulfill it by doing it on, on, on Purim itself. If you missed in Shabbos, you can do it on Purim itself. But other than that, you just say the verse. I mean, we say it every day, we remember a Malik. But this is just to do it in a, in a more, in a, in a, in a more uh, proper way. On Shabbos, you're talking about that? Sai Shabbos, we read this Shabbos, we're going to, not this Shabbos, next Shabbos, we're going to read it. No, yeah, the Shabbos before. And. Uh, on Purim, be the evident. You know, if you didn't, you can listen to the other part. It's basically the part of uh, uh, Molech is mentioned in two places: in the Bishalach in Exodus, and then later on in Kisaitze in the in in the book of Deuteronomy, where it's made with the repetition of the Torah. Right. So over there, if we read it, uh, we read it on the Parsha Zohar, We read it from 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 Deuteronomy, and on on Purim day, we read it from Exodus. Um, the Shalach uh, Mones, the obligation is to send. Two uh, gifts, whether it's uh, food or drinks, uh, uh, or a food and a drink, to one person. It basically has to be two, two of uh, two different, either two foods or two drinks, or one food and one drink, uh, to one person, and that's done a man to a man and a woman to a woman, and a person who is a mourner. You will not send during the um, period of mourning, which is 30 days if it's not parents, but if it's parents, then the mourning continues for 12 months. You do not send them, Mishloach uh, Manas, to them, because that would be not in the spirit of mourning. But the mourner himself, even during the seven days during Shiva, he's still obligated to send Shalach uh, Manas. But uh, not to send treats, but rather regular foods uh, to keep it uh, in a way low key. So that's the Mishlach Monis. Matonis Levionim, which is the gifts to the poor. There you have to give two poor people at least the value of one pruta, uh, and that's okay. Uh, a man to a woman, you can give anybody poor. Across gender, that's okay to give the. Uh, uh, the yeah. And uh, one who, um, you know, one who gives a lot of shalach to various people, gives a lot of tzedakah, is praiseworthy. You know, you fulfill the mitzvah. One person, shalach two poor people, gifts is the minimum. When you want to do more, that's praiseworthy. Uh, but he suggests, the Shulchan Aruch suggests, that it's best to do a lot of gifts to the poor more than to increase your own meal or giving uh, presents to the friends. Better make sure to take care of the poor. Because, as he quotes here, the, there is no greater joy and there's no more beautiful joy than to make the heart of the poor rejoice them of the orphans, the, the widows, and the, the people that are destitute. Then you are similar to the divine in which the verse says about the divine, that the divine gives life to the 
spirit of those who are low and those who are uh, who are depressed. Hashem revives them. So that's the most important part of the mitzvah. Uh, there are th- some that say that you have to send it. Sending means that you use a middle person. You send it through an agent. You don't actually deliver it yourself. So there is uh, that requirement. There's only some, but I guess if you can do that, fine. If you can't do that, uh, I mean, we used to always, uh, as kids, we used to serve as delivery and agents, and we'd always get a tip. <laughs> that was uh, <laughs> that rejoiced us, you know. Yeah, that's, that's like like delivering the Sunday paper, you know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the um, tradition is to have the children participate in all the Purim activities and um, even very poor children can always put a couple of coins into a pushka, into a tzedakah box and uh, on the contrary in certain aspects of the Purim festival like by banging Haman with the Gregors and the other ways uh, the main noise is made through the children uh, that's done with all the innocence, with uh, all the energy, with the excitement, enthusiastic, which children are uh, gifted with. And the same thing is as far as the custom to dressing up with, with masks and other kinds of uh, dress up on Purim, which is mainly done by children, I guess, you know, or children at heart. <laughs> and uh, it's also appropriate to organize gatherings for children on Purim and the children should fulfill the obligation of giving gifts to the poor and Shalach Uh There's also a custom during Purim for the children to put on a crown. You know, there are various, you know, either they're Queen Esther or King Achashverosh. So that's another thing mentioned by the Rebbe. Um, the, now, the festival, now we have one more thing to cover which is the meal, so we have already the Mashalach Monas, gifts to the poor then we have the meal, the meal the festive meal of Purim so we daven Mincha earlier, and then we have the meal to follow Mincha so Mincha is done a little earlier, and uh, one should start the meal during the daytime, and at least minimally to eat one the size of an olive to uh, the obligation of the meal before the sun sets, because you want to do the meal during the day of Purim uh, if you continue the meal at nighttime, but once you've started already in the daytime, you would say the Al-Hanisim in the Birkat Amazon, in the benching when you do, if you started and you ate by the daytime and you bench later on, that's okay. Uh, it's fitting. Um, also, he says, even the people of Yerushalayim who basically celebrate uh, the 15th day, because they have it a day later, so like their Purim is going to be on Monday instead of Sunday by us in Yerushalayim because they're a walled city. They do it a day later. Why? They do it on the 15th. Because the people, the Jews, fought back on the 13th. So they rested on the 14th. That was all over the land of King Achashverosh. They beat their enemies on the 13th, and they rested on the 14th. But Esther put in a special request to King Achashverosh that the people in the city of Shushan, that was the capital of, uh, of, 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 of Persia then, so then that they should have an extra day. I guess in the, in the capital there were many anti-Semites that haven't been yet taken care of in the day before. That request was granted. So they had to wage the war actually on the 14th itself. So they can only rest on the 15th. So their celebration turned to the 15th. So in the Megillah it says that the 
places that have open cities like the rest of the country, uh, then they celebrate it on the 14th. But the cities that are like Shushan, which had a wall around it, they should celebrate it on the 15th, just like Shushan did. Since Jerusalem has a wall around it, it's treated like the city of Shushan, and therefore we uh, make the celebration over there on the 15th of the month. So the whole the 15th? 14th. I mean the Only in Jerusalem does the 15th. Only Jerusalem. In some, some places, actually, aren't sure exactly whether they... Because what, what happens like this, it's not, it, doesn't, it doesn't go by whether they have a wall right now. So if you part, what it was at the time of Yeshua, when yeah. Joshua was conquering Israel, whether it, whether it had a wall over then. Now, if you have a place that doesn't have a wall now, but it had a wall then, or you have a place that uh, would, would do it. But if it didn't have, and it didn't have some place to do it two days, they're not sure whether they ever had a wall or not, so they're celebrating. But you know, when you're not sure. But he tells you that the people of Jerusalem uh, need to also, on the 14th, on Sunday, they would also need to uh, do some rejoicing and some 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 simcha over there because it's the other poor. Now, Rabbi, with the Fistels, if the seven days went over onto Purim, are they excused from, you know, certain Chagim you don't sit Shiva on? Yeah, no, they sit shiva on that. They, you know, Purim sit shiva, we, we cover that. Okay, let me just, just finish this thing here. So we see here that it's appropriate to study a little Torah before the meal, just a little bit, so that you should not sort of get in the, uh, in the uh, involved in your study, and then you're not going to uh, really perform the mitzvah properly, or you're going to forget about your meal. Um, also, uh, the joy of Purim is much greater and the ordinary simcha of yontav, of uh, you got to get uh, really, um, it says libsume to get drunk actually on on the day of Purim. But you know, again, not uh, we'll see in a second. Um, it's also um, a tradition, you know, to eat kreplach, uh, krepchen they call it. kreplach, you know, kreplach, yeah, yeah. Uh, as soon as Purim, they said, yeah, those are uh, filled with meat. Meat, uh, meat, not Pesach. No, Kneidlach. Uh, but this is no, this is. Dough with, yeah, you do it every time you bang, they say you eat Kreplach. When you do Hoshainas, you know, when you bang on Hoshainas uh, Rabbah, you do Kreplach. And Ervium Kippur. And Ervium Kippur, Hoshainas Rabbah. And when you bang Homan too. <laughs> every time when you. Uh, when you bang a shamnu, when you yeah. that's what it is, when you bang, is when you bang the shyness, that's a shine rabba, Ervium kipper when you say bang yeah, your yeah, chest, yeah. and when you bang homan. <laughs> so that's when you eat the, the kreplach. Um, um, now, as far as celebrating during Purim, the uh, joyful in a way that it says that you shall not know between to distinguish between. Blessed is Mordechai, and cursed is Haman. That's how drunk you should be. So how do we, we, we celebrate that, but with limitations. Especially, the Rebbe says, as far as students go. And that also applies to all Jewish people. As mentioned many times, that it needs to be with the limitations of the teaching of Hasidus. It's not necessary to prolong in this, because these are words that are known and publicized, and it's also in print. And the Rebbe says, the very known 
decree that the Rebbe has put out about the limitation of drinking uh, mashka, which the Rebbe said no more than four little lechaims. No more than four little lechaims. So the Rebbe says that... Uh, no, no longer than that. The Rebbe said um, also apply to um, also apply to Purim. There were occasions that during a Fabrengan of Purim or Shabbos that afterwards that one of the people in the attendance should fulfill the mitzvah literally and he should fulfill the obligation of everybody else. It's like a shliach tzibur. So the Rebbe ordered one person, he already left. The, the, he, or, he ordered that one person should uh, do become adlayada, should become drunk, and he fulfill everybody's obligation. So he, one person does that for the community. And uh, the Rebbe says that the, we should publicize everywhere, in, 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 in outside of Israel, in Israel, that all the activities of Purim should be done with a lot of people, the festivities, so each one, even if he makes a Purim suit in his own house, but then you can add later on to, uh, after the meal is host, with family members to invite other people, make it public, publicly. After the meal, in the, this is the way they would do it, um, they would have the regular meal, but then there was a whole night uh, 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 for bringing and uh, celebration, and there's various ways uh, uh, of that. Um, the um, that there's also a thing of giving special Torah for Purim. Uh, people come up with different ideas. The Rebbe uh, brings down it. It's not, God forbid, making fun. People use, unfortunately, the opportunity of Purim to do things to embarrass other people, to make fun of other people under the guise that it's Purim, and therefore you can hurt other people's feelings, and you can, and you can be disrespectful, and you know, and they use it. This is absolutely um, uh, unacceptable, and uh, you have to, uh, you have to. Uh, the idea of a Purim Torah is. You come up with an idea which superficially seems to make sense, even though when you dig deeper, you see it's not really uh, make sense. And if you want to share the part that doesn't make sense, you know, like we we're saying about waking somebody up to give him a sleeping, uh, <laughs> those kind of uh, of ideas. Okay, you know, you talk. Uh, <laughs> okay, now. During um, the, uh, the, the for bringing a Purim, the Rebbe used to make a special collection for Kupas Rabbeinu, and the Rebbe used to always remind people that to be ready for the Pesach, to make sure that people have the food, uh, the money for buying food, for matzahs and food and garments, because 30 days from Pesach starts with Purim, so the Rebbe would mention it at that time.